This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Master's Perry says the Mishnah is something Neuidic. The whole time we're talking about the tree moving and ripping the tree out of the ground. Nobody ever talked about in the Mishnah about fruits. Beginning the Mishnah doesn't talk about fruits. Where does this come into? And it's going to give fruit. And the Teretz is that if you want, you want to produce, you don't produce with Machshava, you produce with Misa. Now, what's this flipping a tree on its head? So I was once in a tornado. Many years ago, I was up in the mountains in camp. In a, in a, I have to say it was in a girls' camp, actually. I was a young boy in Besyakov in Frendel with the new houses, which was my uncle. So as a young kid, my grandmother and my family used to stay there. So I happened to have been there, and there was a tornado. And it ripped out flagpoles and bicycles were flying. Everything was flying. And after the tornado, I saw these trees that were ripped out, mamas ripped out by their roots. They were laying there, some some of you have seen them in the mountains, with all the dirt and everything just hanging out over there. The following year I came back to camp, because we wanted to make a log house, whatever Mishigash we wanted to do, and we wanted to do a whole thing under this tree that had fallen, and the tree was laying on the floor, and the, the, the branches had leaves on them that were alive. And I saw... But the roots, even though it was laying on its side, they went into the ground. They came out, of, it's laying on its side. The roots went into the, in, they went to the ground and they were taking the unica from the ground. And he had this tree. It wasn't dead. It was laying there with, with leaves. Says the Mishnah that a person who doesn't do of and it's just in his head and he's listening to this year and that year, that's a great story. That's a fantastic story. Wow, wow, amazing, unbelievable. But he doesn't do anything. The tree gets flipped on its head. The tree is on its head. The roots are in Shemayim. It's dead. It has no way to get Yunika from the Aretz. So the mission not say the tree got ripped out. Because the tree gets ripped out, it can still live. The tree got ripped out and got flipped on its head. That's how much, how important it is that we take our learning and we turn it into action. It's a very severe Mishnah. It's a very unbelievable Mishnah. And... You're going to see Paris. If you do Maisim, you're going to see Paris. From your Maisim, we're going to come Paris. Don't think that you're going to do Maisim, you're not going to see Paris. It says the mission of us free, says the Pasuk. And you don't have to worry about it, and it's going to be a pre, because the roots are being are, are getting the unique from your Maisim, from your mitzvahs, from what you're doing. Mitzvah is mitzvah. You have this whole ocean, river that you created. So the tree, even though there's winds and all this, right? So this is the Mishnah. So I figured, I just wanted to say this Mishnah because we do a lot of learning and there's nothing wrong. I mean, it's, it's unbelievable. I don't know what's going on in Shemayim, but they've they got to be like, wow, you know, shirum, 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 shirum. Or now, but from at night, till Mamash, the fast was over, there were different speakers. Or Yitzhak, I mean, all, everywhere, all the shuls, everybody. It was, it was unbelievable. I'm telling you, there's more Taira on, on Tishabab, I think, than any other day of the year, which is amazing because that's what's going to bring back the Beis Hamikdash. Okay. So that's the Mishnah. Now, Let's talk about Misa. So we're coming to... So everyone's excited, excited, we're all excited. Shabbos Nachma, we'll talk about what that means. It doesn't mean partying and making yourself for sugar, right? What does Shabbos Nachma mean? Because truth is, what are you being Nachma? Tishabov is over. Did all the people with cancer got healed? All the marriages that are broken are fixed? All the people who can't have kids can have kids? We have the base Amigdash back? What changed? What changed since last week? We're in the same place that we were. So why are we partying this Shabbos? Big, big Kedeshim in every bungalow county. It's, 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 it's a good feeling. Shabbos Nachman was a good feeling. What changed? Lamaisa, we're in the same place as we were in the nine days. As we were on Tisha B'Av. Except we can eat. So what really changed? What's the Nachman? We're a beautiful, beautiful pshat. We'll, we'll, we'll say at the end. So, so the way Akash Baruch runs the world, you know, the, the beginning of the summer... You gotta worry about the three weeks and the nine days, you gotta calm down. Now, all the Rabbanim are getting up already and they're talking about Elul. So, we don't have any time to play games. So now we're going towards Elul. So, what's the main thing in Elul? The main thing in Elul is Tfila, of course, we know that. Tfila and Slichus and Davening, Rashashani and Yom Kippur, Tfila and Tfila. And the question is, I spoke about it this, if we look at, I did my little alphabet thing, if we look at what went on this, if you wanna know how good Last year's Rosh Hashanah is, you gotta wait till this year's Rosh Hashanah, and look how your year was. When you're down in Rosh Hashanah, you hope that tools are accepted. So 
So you look at your past year and you're like, uh-oh. Or, wow, whatever I did last, I do again. So, coming to this Tisha B'Av, I read a whole list of things got a lot worse. I don't want to even talk about it in shul, but you all know all the Supreme Court votes and all the Mushugam. And this whole world is going crazy in Iran, which is taka, very interesting what's going on in Iran. Because I remember a shir that I heard many years ago from a rub in Florida. And he talked about that the, the Gezerah on Purim was never ripped up. Because that Gezerah on Purim is actually for the selling of Yosef HaTzadik. And it says that every single year we, use, we lose Lamed Vav Tzadikim and Malchus and Lemaisa, the whole Holocaust, the last German that got hung, the tenth German that got hung. He said Purim Spiel. He said out of his mouth Purim Spiel and it was the ten sons of Haman. And Lemaisa, if you look at everything, so it keeps happening, keeps happening, keeps happening. So my view in Israel Xera is not ripping up the Xera, it's pushing it away, pushing it away. But the Xera of Purim doesn't stop until Mashiach comes. So now let's take a look at what's going on. So you have Mamish the same exact story. You have a Melech. We're not going to talk because we're, we're public on public areas. But everyone in this room, call, everyone understands what I'm talking about. We have a Melech who was Achashverosh of the Medrash. He was a stable hand. He was a servant. He worked. He wasn't a blue blood. She came from, from, from royalty. He came from nowhere. He was a stable boy who ended up working his way to become king. Okay, do I need to explain things? No, okay. So there's Achashverosh. There's an Achashverosh. And then there's a Haman. Haman lived in Iran. He was a Persian. And the Ayatollah, two weeks ago on Friday, said that even though we have this agreement, the Zionistic Jews, we will wipe out fathers, this is his Lushen, fathers, wives, and children. There won't be one left in the world. Word for word what Haman said. So you have your Haman, you have your Achashverosh, they meet. Haman can't do anything. He goes to Achashverosh, oh, it's scary. He goes to Achashverosh because he can't do anything, and he says, I can't do anything without your signature. Unless Achashverosh, you give me your ring with your signature, without your signature, I don't have the craft to do anything. So I need your signature. Once I have your signature, everybody's running, that's it, we're done. So what happens? Haman in Iran, two weeks ago, got his signature. With a couple other Chavrot's signature. So now he can do whatever he wants. And where do they sign it? Of all the places, where would Iran want to sign an agreement? In Austria. Where the final solution, when the Germans were upset, they were wasting too many bullets on killing the Jews, and we have to do mass murder, their, la- their meeting of the final solution was in Austria. The same Makam. So you don't have to be brilliant to see exactly what's going on. But I, I said on, on, on Tisha B'Av and Gad, everyone here, you have nothing to worry about. If we do what we're supposed to do, yes, they're going to have nuclear bombs. Many. Huge ones. But it says, by Bilam, that when Pinchas wanted to kill Bilam, he wanted to use the Shem Hashem. And the Medrash says that Moshe Rabbeinu said, you can't use it, you can't use the Shem Hashem to kill him, because then the other side is going to get Kedusha. The way to kill the enemy is with his own weapon. Says the Medrash, he took Bilam's sword of snakes, it was called the sword of snakes, and he killed Bilam with his own sword, and then he turned into a bunch of snakes. He killed him with his own sword. Haman did two things. He made a mishter to get the Jews to sin, and he made a tree. And it talks about this a lot, right? On his own head. He ended up hanging on the tree that he made for the for Mordechai, and he ended up going down at a Mishnayayin that he came up with Tachashverot. That's how we're going to get the Jews into trouble. So his weapon that he created was used against him. So you don't have to worry about the weapon. If we do what we're supposed to do, those missiles are going to go up, and they're going to come straight down. Whether the Israelis are going to have some kind of interference with their computers or whatever has to be, whatever Hashem is going to make the shliach, they're going to make their missiles, and Iran's going to end up destroying themselves. You don't have to worry about missiles. We don't have to be scared of missiles, and we don't have to be scared of Iran. We have to do what happened on Purim. What happened on Purim? How did Hashem, 
how did we cause Hashem to take that tree that he made for Mordechai and hang himself on it and come to a Mishnah and get and die at that Mishnah? How did, how did that happen? Because Klal was Mechabel the Torah Ba'ava. So if we're Mechabel the Torah Ba'ava, we don't got to worry about no missiles because they're actually creating their own end. That's what we have to do. We have to learn Torah Me'ava. That was the whole Koyach. You have to, you have to look at things. If you look how we beat them in Purim, it's the same way we'll beat them here. You don't have, you don't have to, you don't have to worry about it too much. But our Koyach, our biggest Koyach, is Koyach Adibor. And this week's Pasha Veschanan. It's about davening. It's about Tfilo. So I'll tell you an unbelievable story that I heard. So there was, um, this little boy needed open heart surgery. He needed some valves and, Big surgery. And the best number one surgeon in the world is in Boston. And this Boston hospital is specifically for children that have heart defects. And they are known to be number one in the world. And this doctor is the best that there is. And it's very hard to get in. And these parents had this kid who was really, really, very sick. And he needed an operation. And they pushed and they had their connections and their politicians and, and Shuki and whatever, whoever they needed, whatever they had. They got him in. So they come to this hospital, and the whole hospital is made for hearts, for helping kids specifically. And this doctor, who's a little bit of a Valgaiva, never, he told the parents, never in my life did I ever lose a patient, ever, did any of my patients die. And when that happens, I stop practicing. But you have nothing to worry about. It's not about to happen. So they take this kid, they got, a, they got like a 26-man team. They have this team, and they do the surgery, and the doctor, it's a very long surgery, six hours, comes out, he says, it went, magnificent, it's going to be a healthy boy, he's going to be able to run and jump like all the other kids, Baruch Hashem. And they take him to the recovery room, and he starts to get fever, and the fever starts to spike, and they're trying to take this fever down, and they're doing whatever they can, and within six, seven hours after the operation, the child passes away. And they call the doctor... And they tell him, the team calls him up and says, Doctor, we have very, very bad news. The patient that you worked on this morning, we lost him. He says, it's impossible. I did the surgery. I saw everything I did. I did everything perfect. It's impossible. He, he ran a fever and, and, and it just, just, he died. Okay, I want the team, everybody. I want them all gathered together. Somebody messed up. He calls his whole team in. He says, okay, first I want everyone tested for drugs and alcohol. Everybody. Blood test for everybody. Second, I want to see their reports on how long they slept last night. And he goes over, because it can't be him, he's the best. He goes over every single person, every single part. He can't find anything. So he goes to the chairman of the board of the hospital. He says, listen, it seems to be it was me. So that's it. I'm done. I quit. That was the deal. First person I lose, I'm out. Chairman Boyd says, but Drew, you, 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 you're the biggest surgeon we have. You're the whole hospital. If you go, the whole hospital says, it, it doesn't matter. You have nothing. It doesn't matter. It's not about money. I'm, I'm out of here. So he goes to his room to pack up his office, to pack up all his stuff, and he's putting all his files in. They knock at their door. Who is it? Mary. Mary? I don't need Mary. There's no Mary in my group. I need to talk to you, doctor. I don't want to talk to no one. Who sent you here? Chairman of the, I don't want to talk to no one. I'm leaving. She says, I know, but, but it could be I killed him. Uh-huh. He opens the door. You killed him. I don't even know you. You're not part of my team. What do you have to do with this boy? She says, I'll tell you the truth. I'm working for you for the last eight years. But I'm not in the surgical room. I'm the one who sterilizes the instruments. She says, and I have to admit to you something, doctor that I was about to sterilize the instruments and then I got a phone call from my son so I stepped out of the room and then you wanted to start surgery and I came back and, and I wasn't sure if I put it in the, in, the, in the sterilizing hot box or I didn't put it in the hot box I wasn't 100% sure so I just rinsed it off really fast so you wouldn't know and, 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 and I think I gave you the tools from the person before and they were probably full of bacteria and then you took those tools and put it into the heart of this child. You murderer! What do you mean you didn't sterilize the instruments? Are you crazy? You let me use instruments 
in the child's heart. I put, I put, I put vile bacteria into the child. You're a kid. You're a murderer. I, I, I did it by accident. I thought I washed it. End of story. What happened? What, why am I telling you this story? Because you could be the best doctor in the world. You sit and learn. You do chesed. You're a wonderful guy. You don't talk by davening. You don't have an iPhone. You have... I, I, I spoke in a place about smartphones. Right? They wanted me to talk about smartphones. So I took out my phone. My Nebuch phone. And I said, well, those are smartphones. And this is a very learning disabled phone. Extremely. So you're a tzaddik. You have a phone like me. That doesn't make you a tzaddik. But you don't have an iPhone. So you can be an aide by a chuppah. I was by a satma wedding. They said to me, you can't be an aide. The girl wanted me to be aide. I said, you can't be an aide. I said, why not? Because you have an iPhone. I said, my name is Wallerstein. I am the last guy that's going to have an iPhone. Really? You don't have an iPhone? I'm like, no. I took out this phone that was so happy I was an aide. <laughs> so happy. Baruch Hashem. So you're a tzaddik. You're unbelievable. Every guy that comes to you, you give him a check. You're the best. You're the best surgeon. And you're diving in here in Boston. Or wherever you dive in. A fantastic shore with a great rub. Nobody talks. You come to dive in, you're unbelievable. So you have the best hospital. And the best team. You go to Dafyami, you got 20 friends. You guys are steiging. You got the team. You got the hospital. You're the doctor. Beautiful. And we dive in. And it's geignished. We dive in, and it's geignished. And Hashem, why aren't you listening? The Sultan is very brilliant. He's like, let the shul be the best shul in Flatbush and Borough Park. Let his chevra be tzaddikim. Let him be a great guy. I'm just going to go after one thing. The tool that we use for surgery and what is that? The difference between us and animals? Dibor. Medaber. So if you talk Lashon Hara, if you talk without respect, if you talk by davening, so what happens? The tool that we use a whole year to daven to do surgery is tame. It's not sterile. It's full of Lashon Hara and all kinds of bacteria. And then we go into tefillah, which is the heart, we're davening, right? The heart of Yiddishkeit. And we use that tool in our surgery, because our davening is our surgery. That's how we cut away the things that are no good, and that's how we put the good things in, right? And we're using a tool that's tummy. The patient dies. More important, the tools are clean, and you're not such a great doctor. At least he won't die. So going into Elul, the most important thing that we all need to do is to make sure that the tool, which is our mouth, which is what does our surgery, is sterile, is clean. You can't talk by davening. You can't talk by davening. Because then when you pray to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the Satan says, He talks. He talks by davening. You can't listen to his tefillah. I once want to say for something crazy scary. That a person who talks by davening, I think it was in the Kaviyasha, the person who talks by davening, in Shemayim, after he dies, has no right to go in front of the Shekhinah, in front of Hashem, and ask for anything. What do I mean? His kids come to his grave, and they're like, Zaidi or Tati, we're married 10 years, we don't have kids, could you please go before the Shekhinah and be mispalo for us. So he gets up in Shemayim and he's like, I want to go. And the Malachim are like, you? You talk by davening? You can't go to the Shekhinah. Look how Yosha says this. He says, could you understand the tsar of a father and a grandfather when their children are by his grave and they're begging him to be a male Yosha? We always say that be a male Yosha. You can't be a male Yosha if you talk by davening because you don't have Dibor. I don't even want to say what the Kavli Yosha says that you don't have a tongue. You don't have Dibor in the next world. They take that away from you. You don't have Dibor. You're walking around like a, like a mute. Do you understand what that means? Can we even understand what that means? Kavi Yosha is saying that if you talk by Davani, in the next world you're a mute. 
You can't say anything. Yeshiva Shalmai, you have a good answer, you can't answer. If they let you into Yeshiva Shalmai. But when you, people come to you and they need you to daven for them, you cannot talk. We don't understand the chumrah. Everyone thinks, oh, this guy's true. That you're in opera. When you come into this room and you're davening, you're in surgery. You're the surgeon. What are you doing? You're putting, you're putting bacteria into the heart of Klai Yisrael? What are you doing? And, and, you know, before I walked in here, I said, Hashem, you should put in my mouth what I need, what, what I need to say, what they need to hear, not what I need to say. This is definitely not in anything here at all. Talking about davening was not, you know, it's Greek to me. That's so not the subject tonight. I guess I need to hear it. And everyone's like, oh, that's sure, they're so frum. Th- no, it's, it's surgery. It's surgery after 120 years. You want to be able to go up and help your kids and your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. You want to have a power in the next world too. You, you want to be able to dominate in the next world for your children and for Klai Yisrael. Give that up because like, some guy is next to you and he wants to talk to you about s- some business deal or some or the Yankees or whatever he wants to talk to you. And, and everyone thinks it only means on Shabbos. It means during the weekdays also. We're so worried when phones go off. It's so crazy what changed. When I was a kid, someone talked. Snoosh! Now people talk, no one says anything. But if that phone rings, Mr. Bruce says nothing about phones ringing. Because they didn't have phones that were ringing. But I don't know an innate abject, if it rings, what they have there. I mean, it's disturbing everyone else, but it's, it's not called talking about davening. Unless you're talking on the phone. But if it rings, people, ah, there's Shechem. I was my land out the other day. Oh my gosh, the guy forgot to turn off his phone. Whoa! It rang once, he got to it. Oh, you'd think, who knows what. There's ten guys in the corner. I don't want to talk about it. You know, talking, but they're outside. I'll say they're outside. Whatever. Nobody said anything. But they're like, oh, yeah, phone! The phone! Talking by davening is a crazy issue. And if we want to be able to stop all the stuff that's going on, we need the Kayach of Tzillah. The Chsata knows. Kol Kol Yaakov. Davening is the power. You die in texting, you day Esau. Anything you do with your hands is you day Esau. But the Kayach that we do have is the Kol Kol Yaakov. So that wasn't where I was going to go, but for some reason we need to hear this. So that's the power of tefillah. And now I want to get to my main subject. You guys think you're going to be here all night. You won't. So this is an unbelievable thought. And the thought is like this. The subject that I talked about this morning was when right is wrong and wrong is right. So many times, especially men, especially us guys, we're gonna, we argue with our wives, we argue with everybody, until we prove that we are right. We gotta fight until two hours, three hours, four hours, we'll keep them up, until they admit you're right. We need to be right. Now the truth is, if you break that down, being right is really wrong. Why? If I love someone, so at the end of the argument, right, you, you're right, your wife is so wrong, you're so right, and you're fighting, and you're fighting, and at the end, she looks at you and goes, Yanko, you're right, I'm wrong. That's somebody you care about? So what did you do? Now you're walking away from the fight, and you're like, <laughs> I'm right. But what did you do to the other person? You want your wife, the person that you love, to be wrong and to feel bad? Is that what you want? And when you fight with your kids and you keep arguing, you keep arguing, then finally your kid, your son says, you know what, Tati, you're right. So what did you do? You broke them. You broke them. You're right. You're wrong. Do people like to walk around, I'm wrong? So, so if you had, if your, if your child had a Rebbe and he comes home every day and he's like, Ta, I said a Svara in, in, in class today. And my Rebbe ripped it. Ripped it apart. He made me look stupid. And you know what? At the end, my Rebbe was right and I was wrong. And he comes back the next day. I had a swara today on a Rashi. My Rebbe ripped me. And you know what? It was a stupid swara. He was right. You're going to pick up the phone. Rebbe, this is Mr. Sandorovich. You've been ripping my kid apart. It's not so bad at the end of the day, even if the swara is no good. Tell him he's right. What does it cost? Because soon, he won't have any more swaras. Soon your wife starts arguing, stops arguing with you, because she doesn't want to anymore be proven wrong. 
So your relationship totally falls apart. Now you're going to say to me, like most guys, but Rabbi Wallstein, if you're right, you're right. I mean, why are you going to say, you're right, Lamaisha, you're right. I don't know, maybe connect a Torah to say you're, you're wrong when you're really right. Totally wrong. And I'll prove it to you from the Torah. This is a Gemara. Gemara in Baba Metzia. You all know this Gemara. So the Gemara is talking about um, Rebbe and the suffering that, that Rebbe went through. He went through a lot, a lot of suffering. So the Gemara says that what was, what was the suffering? What happened? He says the suffering was his fault. Oh, here's the Gemara. Pehei Amanalif. You want to look it up in Baba Metzia. So Gemara says that Rebbe had these terrible, terrible um, pains. And Rebbe Laza also had these pains, and they were even worse than Rebbe. He says, by Rebbe, listen to this. Listen to this. The stableman would schedule that he threw the fodder, he made a lot of noise, at the same time that Rebbe went to the bathroom. And even though he did that, it Rebbe's pain and screaming exceeded the noise of the animals until even the sailors that were on the ocean heard him screaming. And this was 13 years, and I'm imagining that it was kidney stones. Because I had kidney stones, and you talk, if you have kidney stones, you will scream till they hear you out on the Hudson River. 13 years, Rebbe suffered in pain that he screamed so much that they heard him miles away. What did he do? to deserve such a thing. Sakti Gemara. Ayyidei Maisa. It came from an event. It wasn't Hashem just gave him Yisurim. What happened? One day he was on the street and there was a, there was a calf, a little cow, a little, little cow, a little veal. And they were leading him to Shechita. They were leading him to slaughter. So what happened? This poor little cow knew he was going for Shechita. So he put its head under Rebbe's Jacket to hide. Armalei, Rebbe said, What are you hiding for? Zil, get up, get out of here. You're an animal, this is what you're created for, and you should be happy that you're not ending up on a, on a guy's, you're right, you're going to end up in the Cholent. Tika and Gilgal, everything that's supposed to happen, right? Thought you're ending up somewhere in an unkosher restaurant, you're ending up in a kosher restaurant. This is what you're created for. You're created to, 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 to help man, to eat. Didn't do anything wrong. Oh, Omri, they said in Shemayim, since he had no mercy on this little animal, animal, let the suffering come upon him. And he talked to suffered. And then one day, there were weasels, little weasels in his house. And his maid wanted to kill them and sweep them out of the house. And Rebbe said, he learned his lesson, have mercy on Allah Hashem's creation. And Shemayim said, since he has mercy, let he, let, we'll have mercy on him and all his pain stop. Let's think about this story for a minute. What did Rebbe do wrong? What did he do wrong? He told the animal, don't worry, don't hide, for this you were created. He was right. But he was wrong. Because being right and not having Rachmanus on an animal, even though it's supposed to go to Shechita, is wrong. So he should have said to Shemayim, what do you want from me? Is it going to Shechita or not? Why are you punishing me? The answer is, yes, you're right. You're 100% right. But if you don't have Rachmanus, you're wrong. So when you're in a fight with someone and you want to prove that you're right and you're causing the other person anguish, you're wrong. Because if you cause an animal... With no feelings at all. It's an animal. And it's hiding in your shirt. Big deal. And it's going to shechita. It's going to be on a burger. And you say, hey, this is what you're created for. You should be proud. And you get punished. You're ready 13 years of such punishment. Can you imagine if you do it to a human being? But, but Hashem, I'm right. Hashem says, you're not right when you cause someone else's pain. There's a very deep, uh, I, I'm, it's, it's a 10 hour share, but I'm going to give it to you in one minute. I'm going to take away, I'm going to peel away all the, it's a very big question. 
And the question is, when I Kodesh Baruch Hu, by the Brisbane of Sarm, he came to Avram Avinu, and he said to Avram Avinu, you know, you're going to have a child. And Avram Avinu said, I'm too old to have a child, I can't have a child. So then, Akash Baruch went to Sari Menu, and he told Sari Menu, you're 90 years old, and you're going to have a child. And Sari Menu said, even if I got back my youth, my husband is too old. So Akash Baruch went to, to Avram Avinu, and repeated the conversation, and changed it. He said to Avram Avinu, I just came from your wife, and your wife doesn't believe she's going to have children because she said she's too old. I'm sorry, Hashem. That's not what she said. She said he's too old. Now, well, you can't call Hashem a liar. But if you look straight up, it's not true what Hashem said. She said, Abram's too old. Hashem came back and said, she said, she's too old. That is not the truth. And this question bothered me since I'm a kid. So I went and I learned and I spent a long time on it. And when you peel everything away, it's Nairadik. When you peel everything away, listen carefully. Hashem is MS. It's a fantastic kasha. A being that's MS can't say Sheker. But that's not what she said. So how did Hashem make up a story? Unbelievable. Listen to the core. The core is that if what you tell a person brings peace, that is the real MS. Even if it's not true. And if the truth brings pain, the truth becomes Sheker. Neuridic. It's very deep. But it's Neuridic. So therefore, if Hashem would have told Avram, and Avram would have said, oh, that's really what you said about me, and there's no time in Avram, because Avram said about the Brisbane of Sarm, he said, I'm too old. So she only repeated what he said. So Hashem could have told him, what do you, what do you mean you're angry at her? You said that first. When it comes to Shalom Bayez, you have to be so careful, but maybe he's still going to say, I could say it, but she can't. We know it, right? We can say things about ourselves, but uh, my wife better not say that about me. Don't you tell me I'm old. I can say I'm old. I'm too old to take out the garbage. I'm too old to carry stuff up the steps. But don't you be walking around telling me that I'm old. So God, God changed what we would think is MS right. He changed it because in God's world, right is Shalim. Shalim is MS. Machlekes, hurting someone, is Sheker. So don't go, what, what do you mean, what did I do wrong? I just, I just said the truth. I just said what's really going on. But if that caused a war between a husband and wife, then you said Sheker. Then you're wrong even though you're right. That's one example. Adam. Adam. Look at Adam. Hashem asked Adam a nice little question. A plain, straight up question. What did he ask Adam? He said, yeah, look at Adam. Same thing. Rashi says the same thing. Did you eat from the tree? Adam, did you eat from the tree? Adam answered. Did he say the truth? Did he say what's right? He said, she gave me from the tree to eat. What did he do wrong? It says, Rashi, it was a kafwi taiv. And it's brought down that had he answered to Hashem, I'm sorry what I did, instead of blaming her, we would all be alive forever. The whole punishment that Adam had was because he was a kafwi taiv. And that brought Misha into the world because that's when Afar is a kafwi, when Adama, which has potential, becomes a kafwi taiv, it becomes Afar, which has no potential because there's no growth when it comes from dust. So one second, Adam was right. Hashem asked him a question. Where did you get it from? He answered, from the woman. So he was right. And he got so punished. And the answer is, because he said, from the woman that gave me from the tree, so therefore, it was a cup of tub. It's like your kid comes to you and he's had ice cream all over his shirt. And you're like, what did you do? And he's like, it's your fault, Tati. What do you mean it's my fault? If you wouldn't have bought me the ice cream, it wouldn't be on my shirt. So you're a cup of tub that I bought you the ice cream? 
So that's what he did here. So even though he was right, he was wrong. Because he was a kafi toy. So even though he could walk through, what do you want from me, Hashem? You asked me a question, I answered it. Wrong. If that answer is a kafi toy answer, then even though it's right, it's wrong. And we see this in many, many, many places. Many places in the Torah. There's a story with the Ariya Kaddish and with this thought. Same, same idea. So, so the bottom line is, you don't have to be right. You know what being right means? Being right is making the other person feel good. Being right is making the other person feel good. So yes, yeah, so even if you say you're 100% right and you know that she's totally wrong, you know the facts, and she's totally wrong, and your wife walks away thinking, huh, I'm right. Guess what? First of all, she thinks she's right once in a while, she'll talk to you more because she wants to be right. So that's number one. That's good for Shalom Bias. But what's wrong with having the other person? So I'll tell you a story that happened last week after my share. There are guys here for my share, so I'm not going to say who did it. But after my share, last week, a boy came over to me. Okay? I should have cracked him one. He walks over to me and goes, Rebbe, i got to ask you a question. I'm like, what? He goes, in the third base of me, this Rebbe, you think there's going to be Wi-Fi? <laughs> that's what he asked me. Now, it's the nine days. We're coming to Tishabov. Destruction of base Hamid Dush. And this guy's problem is if his phone is going to work, are we going to have Wi Fi? So he asked me. I was, you know, and everyone knows how I feel about social media. I was going to rip this kid's head off. Like, are you, that's where you are? That's where your head is? You're Wi Fi? That's what you need? Like, what? But he's a guy that just started coming to my share. With one of my eight year, ten year old guys, I would have ripped his now I wouldn't though. But anyway, so you know what I did? I said to him, you know what? You're asking a good question. It's much deeper than your question. What is going to happen when the base of Middash comes with technology? Is Hashem going to move the satellites? I hope he does. Just move the earth like out of its axis an inch so all the satellites don't work. So all our phones and all our communications don't work. Yeah, Hashem can do it in one second. Just has to move Earth a drop. All the satellites are off, right? And there'll be, that's what's going to happen. Because in the Navi, it looks like there are wagons and there are horses. If you learn the Navi about the last war, Gregor Magog, right? Even though it looks nuclear because the skin's going to peel off and their, their eyes are going to fall into the socket. So it looks nuclear, right? It does look nuclear if you look at the Navi. But it also doesn't talk about airplanes or technology, whatever it is. So Kampi Nisharim is, 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 is an eagle, American eagle. I don't know, a plane, whatever, flight. But Lamaisa. It's a very good question. So I turned into a good question. I said, your question is, when Mashiach comes, will there be technology or there will be no technology? I said, you know what? I don't really know the answer to that question. But it's something that bothers me also. Like, what's going to happen to all our technology? I could have killed him for that question. He walked away. Ah, had a good kasha. So in my heart, I was like, seething. Oh man, this guy is so off. The derech. He's thinking about Wi-Fi in the base Hamigdash. You know, we're talking about Corbanus in the morning, and he's wondering, um, are they going to put it on the screen for everyone to see? You know, like, in the Kurdish Kedoshim, is the Kohen Gadol going to walk in and we'll be able to actually see what's going on? It's like the craziest question, you know, especially to me. But he walked away happy, and what did I lose? What did Robert Wallerstein lose? The kid asked a good question. Is there going to be technology? So what did I lose? So 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 I was I was wrong, right? I should have said something. But Lamaisa, at the end of the day, he's going to come back to my class next week, and I'm his rebbe, and he and I gave him the koyach and the self confidence that he asked a good question. So why are we bashing everyone? In school we have to be right. At home we have to be right. In school we have to be right. At work we have to be right. We always have to be right. So I came in to tell you tonight that if you being right makes the other person wrong. And hurts them, you are sheker. You are wrong. Hashem is saying, it's sheker for me to tell Abraham Avinu what Sarah really said. Because it's going to cause a machlaikas. Don't think you're this emistika guy who always has to say the way it is. Hashem doesn't have to say the way it is. You don't have to say the way it is. You have to make sure that the other person doesn't get hurt. So we'll end with a story from that Rizal. Most people know this story. But this is a story that knocks it home. So there's these two, there was this, this two people, actually one person, he was a peasant, he was an Amorite, he never learned in Yeshiva, never learned a word. One Friday night he decided to go to shul. 
And in those days in Europe, they actually let the rabbis speak before Kabbalah Shabbos. We would stone them, but in those days, that was Friday night, finally people came to shul, the rabbi would get up and speak and give a drasha. He used to give a drasha on Shabbos. On Shabbos afternoon, they used to give a drasha. Not now, but anyway. So, he comes in this drasha, he never learned before anything, and the rabbi is talking about the parsha of the Lechem HaMish, the Lechem HaPonim. And he's talking about the Lechem HaPonim, and there were 12 breads, and they were hot from one week to the next, and they filled you up, even though Akain took a little bit. And he's talking, and he's talking, and he's talking. He said, but now that the Beit HaMish is destroyed, we don't have the Lechem HaPonim anymore. So, you know, it's sad, but Mitzvah Shem, when Mashiach comes, we'll have the Lechem HaPonim. This guy goes home, it's written, and it's, I'll have the Sefer at home. This guy goes home, tells his wife, I heard something terrible today in Shul. The rabbi said that since the destruction of Beit Magnus 2,000 years or 1,500 years ago, God is starving. He has no food. They used to bring 12 things of bread for him to eat, and now he has no food. I have a brilliant idea. Let's the two of us bake challah every 12 challahs every single Thursday, and we'll bring it to God. She says, where well, are you going to give it to, to eat? She says, well, I saw that there's a thing in the front where they have the Torahs, and it's very, very holy. And they're very, very respectful. So, I think that God lives in that, in that, in the, in, in the Orna Kodesh. So we'll put the challah in the Orna Kodesh. Thursday night, they got this challah, the whole day they're baking and they're baking, they get these 12 challahs. He goes with his bag secretly because no one's allowed to know he's feeding Hashem. That's this chush. They don't want anyone to copy. And he goes Thursday night and he goes and he opens up the Orna Kodesh and he puts these 12 challahs, they're steaming hot, puts them in. The next morning, Gabbai comes to shore, they come to shore, what? Smells from challah, what's going on? They don't have an oven, they don't have a kitchen. Uh, the Gabbai starts smelling around, he follows it, or right, she opens it up, 12 challahs. He says, no you did. Must be a rich man in the town who wants to give the poor people challahs for Shabbos. He doesn't want anyone to know, he wants to give tzedakah b'tzina. So he put it in here, so I'll give it out. So he takes these 12 challahs and he gives it to the poor people. This goes on for a year. And the way the, the way it's written, Mamla is being destroyed down also. They're dancing and Mamash, they're into this whole thing. They're, they're feeding God, but don't tell nobody. And Lamaisa, he came home the first morning, the Friday before Shabbos. He went in there, he snuck. He opened the Arnaud Kodesh, there was nothing in there. He came home and said, he ate it, he ate it, he ate it. He really did, he ate it. So they went crazy. Every Thursday, God ate. Every Friday morning, God ate their bread. They saved Hashem from starving. Even though it was carbs. Okay. So, one day, one day, the Rav... For some reason, of that shul was in the Ezra's Noshim when this guy snuck in Thursday night. And he sees a man opening the Arna Kodesh thinking, Saganov came to steal the safe tower. You know what's going on? He runs downstairs. What do you have in your hands? No, 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 I don't want you. What? He whips it out of his hands. He sees the house. What are you doing? He says, oh, Rabbi, you can't tell anyone, but you know, I was by your shear, and Hashem is hungry, and me and my wife. He says, You idiot! You amoric! Think Hashem needs to eat challah? Yeah, but, but the next day I came and it was gone. I'm telling you, he's an idiot. What are you talking about? The God by the Shamus took it every Friday and we gave it to the poor. You fool! You think Hashem needs bread? The Tzabrachanayid goes home and tells his wife what the rabbi said. That Shabbos, that was Friday, that Shabbos afternoon, that Rizal was in Tzfas, went to this Rob's house, knocks on the door, the Rob comes to the door, Rizal says, sit down. He sits down. He says, last night, Friday night, I had a dream, that Rizal says. And in my dream, the Sar, the high Sar, the high Malach, the one that's behind the curtain, came to me and told me to come to you today and tell you that before Shabbos is over, you will die a terrible death. And the reason that you will die a terrible death is that HaKadosh Baruch Hu, since the destruction of the Beis HaMikdash, never had any reyach nichayach from this world. And for the last year, these 12 chalas that these two people made, ba'ava, with love, with thinking that they were giving Hashem to eat, that love was such a reyach nichayach for him. And you had the chutzpah to take that away from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And the next world is a terrible judgment waiting for you. And it's what down that Rizal wrote. They died a terrible death that day. Everybody in this room, wasn't the Rav right? Does Hashem eat challah? 
Is Hashem starving? Wasn't he right? Are you crazy? You put hell in there and you think Hashem is eating it? He was right. They're out of their minds. But he broke this person's heart. So he was wrong. Not only, listen carefully to what I'm about to say. Not only was he wrong that he broke this person's heart, but what the Malach said was that it was a reach nichoyach to Hashem that he never had since the destruction of the Beit HaMikdash. But Hashem, how can this be a reach nichoyach? It's an Arnakoidesh. It's a bakery. It's not a Koyen. It's an Apikairis. Where's the reach nichoyach? This man was wrong. His wife was wrong. And the answer is that if you do it Mishlemus, even if you're wrong, but you do it for the good, it becomes right. And that's the lesson. And I gave this lesson this morning. And, and I talk, never gave this shit before. And the lady said, I don't know what you're going to talk about tonight. Talk about what you talk to us. Because it's a life changer. Stop being right. You're only right when you make someone else feel good. You're only right when you do it with a full heart. I mean, look at the story. You're going to come back to me and say, but Rebbe, but Lemaise, he was wrong and he's an apicurus and, and if we're going to start talking like this, kids are going to bring, we're going to start bringing food. No. The story, they didn't have a story. This man believed he was giving a Kodesh Baruch so a Kodesh Baruch he became a Reich Nikolaev. That was my kasha on the story. How did this become a Reich Nikolaev? There's no Mizbeach. There's no Kodesh. There's nothing. How does a Chala become a Reich Nikolaev to Hashem? These people were wrong. They were apicurusim. If we wrote such a story, we would all laugh. We wouldn't make a shidduch with this guy. He's putting challah in the Aranakaydash for Hashem. And I should let my kid marry his kid? He's Meshuggah. Wrong. That's a reich nikhayach. What a lesson. What a crazy lesson. You don't have to always beat up your kids mentally and have to be right all the time. You would not want the Rebbe to always do that. So sometimes when you're learning, and he may have learned the Rashi wrong, tell him, it's not exactly the Pshat that I know, but you, 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 you're thinking good. Because you know what? If you don't, you keep being right. And I hear this all the time. My father's always right. After a while, they don't want to talk to you anymore. I don't want to be wrong. So if I'm your kid, and you keep making yourself right and me wrong, why should I talk to you anymore? I'll go talk to someone on the internet, some low life, right? Some Yetzirah, Who's going to, the street? Who's going to? T- I'm going to go on a blog, and over there they're going to say, "You're right. Good thought." The Jews are Nazis in Israel. The Palestinians. So even though this kid's like, how could this kid be on such an internet, such a such a place where they're saying that the Jews are, Pal- are Nazis because of the Palestinians? How could he be on that? Because you know what? Because he has what to say, and they're not saying you're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. I'm right. You're wrong. So after a while, when you keep telling your kids you're right, you're right, you're right. They don't want to talk to you anymore. Because no one wants to be wrong all the time. So you have to be smart. And like this kid who asked me about, about the internet, you know, Wi-Fi, he was wrong. What kind of question is that? But he walked away. I made it into a whole thing. It's technology. It's a good question. I don't know what it's going to be. There's a, there's a, there's a haftarah. There's this and there's that. We don't like to be wrong. So the, the speech I'm telling you tonight, that what you have to walk out of here is, that if you want to know if you're wrong, if you're right, you want to know if it's Sheker or MS, it's Sheker if it hurts someone. And it's Sheker if it's a coffee type. And it's MS if it makes somebody feel better. Even God had to change the story. Even Hashem had to change the story. So surely we can, if we have to, make someone else feel good. My bracha to everyone is, Nachamu, Nachamu, Ami. What is this Nachamu, Nachamu, Ami? What happened? What, what, what's our Nechama? Nothing changed. You didn't build the base on Mikdash. Nobody got better. So this Shabbos, we say Nachamu, Nachamu, Ami. What's, what's the, what's the Nachamu? So I heard very beautiful. You know, a double Lushan is a Lushan of Ava. Moshe, Moshe, Avram, Avram. A double Lushan is a Lushan of Ava. Because Bochum says, Nachamu, Nachamu, what's your consolant? Ami. You're still my nation. That's the Nachamu. After everything that you've gone through, after all the destruction and everything that you've done wrong to me and I've done whatever to you, at the end, Nachamu, Nachamu, the Nachamu is Ami. I was in the car and I was dealing with some big Shalom bias problem. These two... They're married for 20 years, killing each other. I mean, I never went through, she, I I could not patch them up. I could not make peace. Hours and hours, I'm busy with these two. He's bad-mouthing her, she's bad-mouthing him. 
back and forth and back and forth. And I gave it a lot of time and it began to bother my wife a little bit. So after a while, you just, you, just, you just keep saying the same thing over and over. So I'm driving up to the mountains and he, the husband, is on the phone and, and whatever I would say is no. Shit. So my wife lost her patience sitting next to me and she says to him, I'm on speaker, hold on one second. Answer this question. When my wife told, answer this question. He's like, what's your question? Do you love her? But, but, no, no. I don't want to hear all the other stuff. Core. Do you love this woman? Yes. She says, case closed. My husband's now getting off the phone. (laughs) (laughs) Then she gets on the phone. And she's hacking, whoa, stuff much better than he had. She had on him much better than what he had on her. She's ripping. My wife's like, Zachariah, we're not doing this. I need to talk to you a little bit also. So she says to the, the woman, listen to me. I have a question. Yeah. I hear everything you're saying. Do you love him? But answer the question. Yes. Goodbye. Okay. This was 10 days ago. Today, they're on a honeymoon. I promise. They were ripping each other, divorce, lawyers, this, that, everything was moving. Today, they're on a honeymoon. At the end of the day, strip everything away. If you love the person, you can make it work. Now, why am I telling you this? Because we're coming to this Shabbos. And at the end of the day, we sat a whole day and we cried and we read. We read, you know, like, it's not a good thing to make you close to Hashem to read all these people that died and he ripped the base Hamidish apart and there was flowing blood and there were pounds of brains on a rock. I mean, hello, we're married. And if that's what you're doing, you're like, hello? Like, what's going on? You would think that Tisha B'Av would push us further away. And the answer is, so when it comes to Shabbos Nachamu, the question is, Kla Yisrael, you got complaints and this and that, you know. Do you love Hashem? Cut all the other discussion away. This nation, do you love the God of the world? And the answer is yes. Even though we went through a Spanish Christian Crusades and, and, and all that stuff that you read, all those kinnis. We still love you. There's a lot of stuff. We still love you. HaKadosh Baruch Do you love this nation? Nachamu, Nachamu. Ami. They're mine. So, Mitzah Shem We'll have our honeymoon in the base of Mikdash. Thank you. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.